Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. How wild is it to see people that you haven't seen in a year that you love? You're like, oh my gosh, it's you. Last service, I may have hugged some people. Don't tell the cops. Just kidding. We have the best cops. And they wouldn't be mad if I hugged somebody, to be honest. Don't tell people who hate people hugging. Okay. Um, It's a weird intro. I'm Tyler. Welcome, everybody. Hey, uh, it's great to see the 7 p.m. Before we start, I have a house item I got to talk about real quick. We're having a team night. Everybody say team night. I love a good team night. Now, this team night is titled Operation Rebuild. Here's the intentions of it. Now, you're probably saying, well, Tyler, I don't serve at Mission Church yet. I've been attending, but I don't feel like I'm on the team. This is for you if you want to be on the team. Here's what I mean by that. Um, I really believe this, that church is better when we do life together, when we build this house together, when we have small groups and we celebrate together, we cry together, we eat together. That's the way church is built to do. So at this team night, we're gonna invite anybody who's been attending, but you wanna be part of the team, come to team night. If you've been serving, prioritize it, come to team night. And that team night, I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna stir and sharpen. Stir and sharpen. Another Bible way you could say it is equip and empower. The, the, the Bible shows that when Jesus was on the earth, he would mobilize his disciples and he would equip, empower, and release them. And when you preach and teach, there's two things that happen. When you teach, you sharpen. I call it, you sharpen the ax. You're an ax, if I put it that way. And then when you preach, you inspire, or you stir the ax up to swing it. I think of the verse in Hebrews where it says, uh, think of ways to stir up one another. Uh, I, I think that verse was given to us because the reality is, is that we as Christians can stagnate in our walk. We can get stagnant. We're not built to be stagnant Christians. We're built to be stirred up Christians, stirred up to build a house. I know a lot of sharp Christians that aren't doing anything with their sharpness. They know the word of God like crazy, but they're not doing anything with it. We're not gonna allow you to be sharp and not swing the ax. So we're gonna have you come to team night. We're gonna learn how to swing it. We're gonna get mobilized and we're gonna rebuild uh, this next season. People need to be loved. Oh, people need to be reached out to. Um, It's a new season. Does that sound good? Sign up for team night. All right, if you're brand new, uh, we are in a series titled Knowing God. Knowing God is 7 p.m. It's already past my bedtime, so I'm gonna have you talk a lot in this service. Say, knowing God. I got a lot of stuff, so let's get into the text. I'm gonna read from Matthew first, and we'll go to John. We're in, we're in the Gospel of John, if you're brand new. We're learning how to know God in the Gospel of John. Woo, it's a good one. So Matthew 7 says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Oof, that word knew you is gnosko. We're gonna talk about that in a second. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Plain as day, Jesus shows us that knowing God is the most important thing in our life. And not just knowing of God, but knowing God. Let me, let me give you a, 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 an understanding of this. So gnosko is this Greek word in the New Testament. Um, you'll see in the Old Testament when it says Adam knew Eve, and that's when they birthed the son, an intimate relationship. I know Steph Curry. Steph Curry don't know me. If I was at a restaurant right now, I'd be like, Steph, it's me, Tyler, let's shoot hoops. He'd be like, security, cast him out. But Steph, I, I cheered your name when you were, I, I was row three at the finals the year, the year we lost over LeBron. You should know me. No, he doesn't know me. I just know of him. And the reality of what happens with some people is you know of God, but you don't gnosko God. Because when you know God, 
Ooh, it births peace. When you know God, it rebirths your life. It's called being reborn again. And what Jesus is saying, knowing is the most important thing in your life. You gotta know me. Let me put it this way. Uh, I was working at a church um, uh, back in the day and I oversaw some of the staff and they would ask me for the days off. I was in charge of some of the days off for some of the staff uh, at this place. And a young man who just got married, he goes, hey, Tyler, can I have the weekend off? It's my wife's birthday and I want to surprise her. I can't say no to them. I'm like, yeah, you can have the weekend off. Go surprise your, your, uh, your newlywed wife uh, uh, on her weekend. He's taking her away for the weekend for her birthday. So he comes back in the following week. I'm like, hey, man, uh, how was it uh, surprising your wife? You know, how was the weekend? He's like, oh, it was terrible. Why? Why was it terrible? I... I showed up to the place and she just started bawling her head off. I was like, what did you do? You know, and he's like, he's like, so I, I got all this camping gear and I was going to surprise her with camping. And so we're driving there. I said, pack some stuff. We're going to, I'm going to surprise you. We're going somewhere for the weekend. So she packs stuff and then we show up to Tahoe and I'm like, we're camping. And she just looks at me. She goes, I hate camping. I've been talking about Orange County for the past few months. I thought we were going to the OC. I don't like camping. Don't you know me? You know? And he's like, uh, well, I loved camping. And I thought you would love camping too. She hate camping. And I was like, oh, young, young man, you got to get to know your wife. You know yourself real well, but you don't know your wife. Young Christians, some of you need to know God. Can I put it this way? Let me, let me, uh, let me um, use an illustration. It's okay. There are some Christians I've seen lately that are like, God, I'm fighting the mask battle for you. I'm fighting against masks. Some Christians are like, I'm fighting for masks. I got no dog in the fight, for or against masks. I'm, I'm wearing it if I gotta wear it. I'm, I'm not like on either thing, because I, I don't got time for that. But, but they're like, God, I'm fighting the mask battle for you. And God's like, I never told you to fight the mask battle. I never said fight for masks. I said fight for souls. I said fight the gates of hell. Oh. Another one would be like, God, I, uh, I told a bunch of sinners to stop sinning. I did it for you, God. I did it. Just like, I did it in your name. God's going, oh, I never told you to tell people just to stop sinning. Can I tell you real quick? Grace always connects before it directs. I was preaching at a chapel. I did this a lot as a youth pastor. I'd preach at so many schools and different things. And I remember preaching at a chapel and a young kid came up to me and he didn't like what I preached. He said, I talked about Jesus too much. Kid, you sound dumb. Just kidding. Didn't say that to his face. Said it in my head. Anyways, um, he said, you need to talk about sin more. You know, at this school, you know what kids are doing right now? They're doing this and this and this. You need to tell them them to stop doing this. And I was like, oh, you don't think kids know what right and wrong is to an extent? They already know like what the church hates. They don't know the goodness of God. And if they could know God, they would stop all those things. My mission on this earth, I remember Thomas said, my mission on this earth is to try to get everybody to say yes to Jesus. And when they do, they'll say no to everything else. Because when you know the goodness of God, you don't want the darkness of this world. I said, just think about that. Never saw him again. Hopefully he's not a Pharisee anymore, but I think he is. Pray for that kid. This chapter in John, I was telling some of our staff members today, there are a handful of chapters in the Bible that I feel so privileged to be able to preach as a pastor of a church. And John 10 is one of them. You're gonna hear all these knowings in it. They know my voice, they know me, and I know them, and I know the Father, and the Father knows me. You'll see this theme about knowing the great shepherd. I believe some of you in the room tonight, you know the King, you know the Almighty God, but you need to know the shepherd tonight. Can I pray? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church, and Lord, we do, we wanna know you. Oh, we don't wanna fight the wrong battles. We don't wanna do things that you never called us to do. 
Oof, Lord, we want to know our God. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. And everybody said? Tom, I message is what could be and should be. What could be and should be. I just got to take a side note real quick. Say what's up to everybody online watching. We love you. We miss you. Um, I totally get it. If you have high risk people in your family or you're high risk, uh, when you can come back, we're ready for you. But we love you and we're so glad we still have technology. Second thing I want to say is when I told everybody in the house, like, hey, uh, it's all about knowing in Christianity. Some of you, it just doesn't sit well. Let me tell you something real quick. I just got to say it real quick and I'll move on to my message. Some people in Christianity think that the more you do, uh, for God, you'll get to know God. Not true. The more you get to know God is actually when the more you do for God. Uh, it's like getting bad marriage advice. Like me and Rachel are having a bad marriage and somebody tell me, you know, Tyler, just do the dishes all the time and mow the lawn all the time. Uh, a few weeks later, Rachel's like, I'm still here. You never talked to me. Now, if you told me, go get to know Rachel and know what she loves. Ooh, here's what happens. I do things all the time now that I never would have done. Rachel had a hard day uh, last week. I knew she wanted to come home to clean house. I did the dishes like a gangster. Not that big of a, a gesture, but for me, I felt like I moved the mountains. You know, it's like, you're welcome. I'm a great husband. Uh, adventure days. I know my wife so well now, I don't have to ask her what to do. I think like an Italian woman now. What do I want to do today? I want to go to Napa. I want to go to Napa and take pictures like crazy. I don't, I don't, here's why. Because I know, and now I do. Oof. I want a church that knows God so well that they just do the things of God. And, and what I love about this verse in uh, John 10, the title of my message is, what could be and should be. Ooh, that's a good title. What could be and should be. Now, the definition of a vision is what could be and should be. If you don't have a vision for your life, write one down. What could be and should be for your life. Abundant life. We're gonna see that. It's one of the things that God shows us what could be and should be. He came to give you a life to the fullest, super abundance. That's what could be and should be for your life. If you don't have a vision for your marriage, ooh, write one down. Get in a marriage group, actually. Find out. We got the best marriage groups, best marriage groups at our, our, our church, best marriage ministry. Here's the deal you need to find out what could be and should be for your marriage. You can need to let your kids know what could be and should be. Ooh, it's an important thing. Jesus came to show us what could be and should be. Now, before I get into the, the text, I got to lay some groundwork. We're going to be in this kind of shepherd thought the next few weeks in our church, knowing the shepherd and this knowing God thing. And so one of the things I love about God is he gave us vision of what could be and should be for the church. There's four common themes in the Bible that a lot of theologians will agree upon what could be and should be for the church. The church could be and should be a building. I'll unpack that. It could be and should be a body. It could be and should be a family. And it could be and should be a flock. All right, let me unpack what that means. First one is, the church picture God gives us, the vision of the church is a family. Shows us the importance of an all-in attitude for the family. We're all in this together, family. Shows us the importance. Now, the vision, what could be for the church, how amazing it would be to actually like be a family as a church. A lot of you don't like that idea because you came from dysfunctional families like myself, okay? I remember like the last thing I wanted to do was be a part of a family. Shout out to my family. Hey, we're all dysfunctional. We're all good. We're getting better. Love you, Johnsons. Love my family. But we was crazy and dysfunctional. We still a little are. We still are. Um, not all of us know Jesus. Some of you need to know Jesus. You're watching. Say yes to Jesus today. You know who you are. Love you. I know who you are. Okay, let's keep going. Anyways, just trying to lead one of my family members to Jesus. You know who you are. Say yes to Jesus. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, so when I pictured family at church, it was like, oh, I don't want to be like, you ever been a part of a family where somebody in the family doesn't want you to succeed? They actually relish in your failures? Oh, you don't want to be part of that family. You ever been a part of a family where the family, like you come home and you get actually torn down and not built up? Oh, you don't want to be part of that family. Think of the best family ever. God shows us in Corinthians, he shows us throughout the word, but one of the verses in Corinthians, he's the father and we're sons and daughters. You know what great family has your back? 
I'll never forget being a young kid. I came from a dysfunctional home. I was part of this dysfunction. My sister and I would fight a lot. And, you know, 50-50, nobody was the right one or wrong. We just fought a lot. And I remember I went over to my friend's house, and she was bothering me. So we started picking on her, all my friends. And we were like, I mean, just absolutely picking on her like crazy. They hopped in, and I was like, yes, I'm winning the war. And then she ended up like, I'm going home. Like, yeah, we won. Go home. You know, she started crying. Woohoo! high five. I was, I was, again, won the war that day. Come home, and my dad was so mad. He goes, Tyler, this is your sister. I get it that you, that you guys fight and you, you pick on her, but you don't let anybody outside this house mess with her. You protect your sister. You'd be the first one to your sister's aid. And I remember like, as a man, I'm like, okay, you got it. It lasted like a week, but I tried. I tried, okay? Now, now catch this real quick. Imagine you have a hard day and hundreds of people have your back in two seconds. That's, that's what could be and should be in your life. Let me, let me put it this way. Imagine having a hard week and you have a small group of people that rally around you. I'm, I got to do a small group plug real quick. The best stories I hear about Mission Church are not from services, which our services I think are pretty good. I think they're great actually. Um, but what I hear the most is, oh, I had the hard week and my small group rallied around me and started praying for me. I, I'll hear this in small groups. I, I was struggling financially or I needed some finances and I was just asking the group to pray for it and I showed the next week and they actually gave me the finances to take care of this. I hear that all the time. I'm gonna use a plug. I'm gonna actually steal Marcy's joke real quick. If you're struggling with money, sign up for a small group. They're going to hook you up, straight up. That's what happens when you have family. When you are weak, they rally around you, become strong. You're not supposed to do life on your own. What could be and should be? Sorry, Marcy, it was too good of a joke not to use. Um, uh, Next one, great families work together. Great families work together. I'll never forget this, living in L.A. You're up in Puyallup, Washington. You have all the chains, Chili's, uh, Applebee's, uh, Red Robin, you know, all those ones. But you don't have a lot of like, just like, you know, uh, um, special restaurants that are like people who start the family restaurant and they have this amazing food. It's everywhere. And one reason why they're everywhere is because families from all around the world will come to America, Greek families, Hispanic families, um, French families, you name it, they'll come around the world and they'll start a restaurant. I remember talking to this guy who was the register and it was all, this whole Greek family working at this Greek restaurant. And I said, man, like, is it, do you love doing this? He goes, oh, no, no, no. He goes, it's not about love doing this. Like, like, he goes, I, I don't want to be how to register. But he, he went on to tell me, I don't know why I'm giving him an accent right now. I don't know. Hey, I don't know why I'm behind the register. That's not even Greek. That's more Italian. Um, anyways, so I asked him, uh, do you love doing this? He says, no, no. Our family, we came here. If this restaurant succeeds, we all succeed. I want my dad and all of us to win. We all win together. I just want us to win. And I was like, wow, like, man, I remember like having this moment, like, man, I wish the church was like that. Like all of us going, man, if, if, every, if, if we win, we all win. If I win, you win. If you win, I win. Oh, that, that kind of working together. The church was never supposed to be consumer. It's supposed to be family. Clergy and lady, you won't fly in the Bible. Clergy does the work, lady just attends. It really sounds like clergy and lazy. That was never meant to be in the Bible. It's a family business. We're all supposed to work. Does that sound good? Last one, at least I, 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 um, I already touched on this, but great families will hook you up. It says in Acts that they sold all their goods and then gave to those who needed it. Who loves a good homie hookup? The church is a, the best place for homie hookups. I love blessing people. You, I, I give you the list of things that I've blessed people with, it'd be silly. And if I give you the list that people have blessed me with, it would be silly. Oh, you want blessing? You better get plugged into the house of God. Another vision of what could be and should be is the, uh, the body, uh, the church is supposed to be a building, a building. Very simple, shows the importance of unity. The enemy is not afraid of a, 
uh, a big church. He's afraid of a unified church. Let me put it this way. The, the picture of the building is a cornerstone Jesus and then all these stones going in one uh, direction. It shows what could be and should be. An aligned church, ooh, it's a dangerous church. Alignment affects the assignment. Could you imagine going into a grocery store and having one wall here, one wall down the middle, one wall to the left, and just like, you're like kind of trapped and it's like really, you wouldn't want to go to that grocery store. A lot of churches feel that way a lot of time because there's all this liturgical, like, oh, we should do this and do this and then all this theological debates. And so you just get confused. And like, I don't want to go there. A great church has a big old open door. It's built beautiful and it's rallied around one thing and his name is Jesus. Oh, there's something about a church that is about unity and not uniformity. You ever been to a church that like you walk in and it's like, ha, ha, ha. Like, how did you guys all know to do this at the same time? I don't know, but just raise your leg. Raise it, raise it. Trust me, raise your leg. Why does everybody have to wear the same exact thing? What, what, why is this so bad to wear? It's not in the Bible. We're not going for uniformity here. We're trying to build a beautiful thing and it's all about building uh, people around you. Sound good? What could be and should be. Almost to the message, I promise. Body, body. Shows the importance of function. You all have a purpose. We're all built to have a function in the church. Talks about the body. Literally, the hand cannot say, I don't need the foot. I can't say to you, I don't need you. I actually have to tell you, I need you. The church needs you. And you can't tell me you don't need me. You need me. You're so needy. You're just so needy. I say yes to your neediness, okay? We need each other. Literally, it shows us the importance of having a function and a purpose. Shows that Jesus is the head and we're the body. Man, churches that understand that, man, they take, take back ground differently. They walk differently. They move differently. Woo, let's be a, a healthy body. Last but not least, talks about us being a flock. A flock. Shows us the importance of dependence. The flock, oof, needed a shepherd. The presence of a shepherd marked a great flock. Can you imagine a church that is marked by his presence? Ooh, I want to be marked by his presence. I want Mission Church to be marked by his presence. What the vision of what could be and should be for the church. Does that sound good? All right, let's get in the text. And real quick, before I get in the text, we're talking about sheep today, John 10. A lot of sheep talk. Um, I did some studies, just fun little studies. I like to study for my message. I like studying for school. I love studying for my messages. So I just did some weird studies. Sheeps, 200 plus times in the Bible. Old Testament alone, dogs are 30 plus times. Cats, can't find them. End of discussion. End of discussion. God is a dog man, not a cat guy. Who here loves cats? Okay, I'll give you one little, I'll give you one little thing then. It does call him the Lion of Judah, but, cat, but lions act more like dogs, so I'm just gonna say it. They're the only cats actually hang out with other cats. Anyways, all right. Um, hey, I, I, don't argue with me. Scripture shows it. No cats in the Bible. Okay, dogs are. Okay, let's go. Um, John 10, John 10, I'm the good shepherd. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs by another way, that man is a thief and robber. Stop. I got to start right there. Jesus comes out the gates and says, hold, hold on a second. I'm the great shepherd, and there is only one way into this sheepfold, only one way into fulfillment, only one way into heaven. And if anybody climbs over or tries to climb over or tells you there's another way, they're a thief and a robber. This is telling you, watch out for religious people. Watch out for religious people to say, if you do these things, you'll, you'll have fulfillment. No, it's not what you do to get fulfillment. It's what he did on the cross that fulfills you. Let me put it this way. Watch out for people that tell you that if you climb over people at work, climb up for promotion, if you do these things in the world, then you'll actually have fulfillment. You're not going to find it in the world. Those are thieves and robbers. They will steal your life and your time. Watch out for those people. How many years have been lost because you got some bad advice on where you're supposed to find fulfillment and peace in heaven? There's only one place and his name is Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, 
To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, there's a, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brought all of, uh, out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Woo, they know his voice. We're in knowing God right now, knowing God. So this is one we need to stop at, know his voice. How do they know his voice? How? Now, if you know anything about shepherds at this time, or you ever talk to a shepherd, there would be a bunch of sheep. You could have like four different flocks in a thing, but the shepherds had a different call. They could be like, whoop, that could literally be a call. And the sheep that knew their shepherd's voice would be like, oh, we're out of here. And they would fall, whoop, whoop. And so that, that's an amazing thing. Well, I was trying to think of the best illustration to tell you that you need to know his voice and how important it is. Let me, let me, let me unpack this real quick. The world is really loud right now. There's a lot of things being said right now. And the only way that you're going to get through this world is you have to know his voice in stormy days. Let me, let me tell you this. Here's why I know God's voice. I've spent a lot of time with him. Let me double down on this real quick. Um, let, me, let me give you an illustration. If you blindfold me right now, whoosh, and everybody started laughing, and then my wife, Rachel. Rachel, give me a little laugh real quick, girl. There she is. Thank you. Rachel has this giggle that just is the best. You could all laugh, and I'd be like, Rachel's over there. And then she keep going, and I, I found her. Like, but you didn't see her. Oh, I, know, I know her voice. I've been around Rachel a lot. Young people watching in the room real quick. Before cell phones, before caller D, there were just phones that you would just have to answer and say hello. You'd be like, hello? Scary as all get out. Could be anybody. Telemarketer, grandma that wants to talk to you for an hour. Hello? Hey, Tyler. Hey, grandma. Oh, dang it. Called to talk to your mom, but how are you doing that you talk for like, you just didn't know. You just answered the phone. And you hit. What was crazy is you get to junior high and my friends would call me and I'd just hear, hello? And I'd hear, yo. Like, hey, Joey, what's up? He'd say, hey, this is Joey Parker. I know Joey's voice. I hang out with Joey. I know his voice. He starts to say, yo, I'm like, oh, it's Joey. Do you ever go to like a store sometimes and your thoughts start wandering and they go to a bad place? I was at Costco a couple weeks ago and I was just sitting there and I was like, have one of these moments like, and I, just felt, I don't know where it came from. I was like, nobody appreciates me. Rachel doesn't appreciate, she doesn't realize how great of a husband I am. I'm the greatest husband on the planet. These are all these thoughts I'm having and I'm just getting stirred up. You know, and I just go into all, all these, like all these bad thoughts. And I literally caught myself how I was like, wow, that is not God. I don't know who's trying to do that to me, but that is, that is not God's voice. And I stopped. And I'm just saying, God, oh, forgive me. I started, it was one of these like entitlement moments in my life. It felt so gross. Like, oh, that's not your voice, God. You ever have these moments? If people knew what I did, they'd be done with me. If people knew how bad I was, they'd be done with me or they'd be done with you. That is not God's voice. Do you ever have moments where you just feel less than, or you ever hear uh, just hopeless thoughts? That is not God. Hopeless thoughts are not from God. And the only way that you're gonna know his voice is two things, prayer and his word. I really believe those are the two places. That's why we're trying to get disciples to pray more here, trying to get disciples into the word of God. You wanna hear God speak out loud? Open your Bible, start talking out loud. Let it read Matthew out loud and be like, oh, there's his voice. It's amazing when you start to know his voice, the valleys where you can't see, you can still maneuver. God, I have no idea what you're gonna do with my life. I can't see anything. I hear your voice. You're telling me to keep going. God, I don't know what's going on in my marriage. I don't know where it's gonna go. I hear your voice. Just keep loving and keep forgiving. I'm gonna keep going. Man, there's something about knowing his voice. Let's keep going. 
Goes on to say, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. You've got to flee from those bad voices. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. We're going to talk about that real quick. You need to know he's the door. I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pastures. Stop. It's a big one. Have you ever noticed in life it really is who you know more than actually like what you can do? People that aren't as good as you as a job, they get the job because they know the guy who was hiring. This is just the realities of life. I learned this at a very quick age when I didn't get my first job at Burger King. I don't want to talk about it, I'm still bitter. My buddy knew the manager of Burger King, got the job over me. I had to go to McDonald's, didn't know anybody, and they had to interview me. They were still nervous. I was like, it's McDonald's. Trust me, I can go like this. I'm in. I didn't know anybody at McDonald's. My family had no hookups. I'll never forget when I started to get to know people, though. Ooh, it changed my life. I'll never forget this. Uh, the Seattle Supersonics, RIP. They are now the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were stolen. They will answer to God in heaven. I guarantee it. Um, they are gone. But when they were the Sonics, I loved them. I grew up in Seattle. The Sonics, anyways, uh, it was the last year before they left. Kevin Durant was a rookie. Um, and uh, my buddy calls me. He's in charge of the season ticket holders there. He's one of the reps, the big, big dogs there. And he, he goes, hey, Howard Schultz isn't going to be at the game tonight. You want his tickets? Just give you some context. Howard Schultz is the one who used to own Starbucks. So CEO of Starbucks, owned the Sonics. They're the best seats in the whole arena. This is my moment. I canceled everything. And to be honest, if I would have got that call today, Joe would be preaching tonight. I'm just going to tell you. All right. God has called me to minister to the Sonics tonight. Okay. He doesn't open a door like this for me not to walk through. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I might do it. I can't lie. I Let me pray about it, okay? And you know, the, the, the temptation is there. He knows the temptation. I would not bear it, so he won't give it to me. How's that? Okay, there we go. Um, so I don't even have to worry about it. So anyways, so I remember getting the tickets, and these things, like, looked different, felt different. They had a different parking spot at the arena, a different door you went in. I mean, all of the above. You walk in, and there is this great buffet, and I was like, God, I get it. Heaven is a great banquet. Like, I was like, there was, there was, I was having, like, a spiritual moment. There was prime rib. I mean, you name it. This is, like, for the, the, the exclusive seats in the arena. So, I mean, all the, I knew I wasn't going to come back. So I was eating everything. I was like, prime rib. The guy was like, you again, give me some more prime rib. I was eating everything in the buffet before the game. Then I went and sat down at the seats. And so you sit right here, and then the, the Sonics bench is all right here, and I'm right there in the corner. You know, Katie's sitting there. What's up, Katie? Don't talk to me. Okay, okay. Um, one of the rules I did get was don't talk to the players. So close. I wanted to so bad. Um, I almost talked to uh, Earl Watson because he was driving nuts in the game. He was the point guard at the time. Uh, so I'm sitting there, and like halfway through the first quarter, you ever notice, you ever feel like people are staring at you sometimes? I just feel like people are staring at me. And then I realized, like, oh, these people actually think I'm important. <laughs> and, like, you can tell they're like, oh, is that, is that Chris Hemsworth? Oh, is that, is, is that Brad Pitt? Oh, is that Ben App? What's so funny? Why are you laughing at that? I'm just going for the most beautiful people in the world. <laughs> Last service, I said, is that Jeff Bezos? And I was like, why did I say Jeff Bezos? Give myself some credit. So I was like, second service, I'm using gorgeous humans. So they, so they, uh, so they're looking at me, and I was like, I was like sitting there, and I was like, I was like, man, like, gosh, okay, I get it now. Like this, these seats, like people in the season ticket, they know this seat, they know this is usually Howard Schultz seat. So I get done with the game, and I get up, and the guy walks up to me. And one of the guys sitting around, he goes, hey, hey, man, what, what's up? Hey, what do you do? How did you like? 
how'd you get those seats? Like, what do you do for a living? And I started laughing. I was like, ha, I'm a youth pastor. And I even told him what I made. I was like, bro, I make $200 a week as a youth pastor. I live in somebody's home. My buddy runs the season tickets here, bro. He hooked me up with the seats. The guy started laughing. He's like, solid. You know, he gave me a fist bump. Solid was cool in 2005, okay? We did the fist bump, and I think we all actually exploded, too. Like, yeah, pfft, okay? Anyways, it was one of those first moments, whoo, when you know the right person, you can experience things you never thought you could experience. Get in rooms you never thought you could get in. Now let's get back to the good stuff. Jesus says, I am the door. Can I give you some context for the door real quick? The shepherds at this time, don't think of them American shepherds. I, you got to understand the time where Jesus was. He was showing that picture of shepherds. They lived with the sheep. They slept there. They ate with the sheep, everything. When, when they put the sheep in the sheepfold, there wasn't a door to shut. You know who the door was? The shepherd would sleep as the door in front of the sheep so nobody could get past him and nobody could get through him. He was that diligent about his job. He took it very seriously being the door. Your life, if you can't get through, it's because not some door, Jesus is standing right there. And he's saying, I'm the door. This isn't for you. I'm the good shepherd. And ooh, catch this other part. If you haven't been walking through doors, you're probably not too close to Jesus right now. Because he's the one that says, it's time to go out and enjoy the pasture. It's time to go out and enjoy the still waters. It's time to go out. Because if you haven't been through some open doors, I'm just laying real quick. He is the one that opens doors that nobody else can open, and he shuts doors that nobody else can shut. So when you're knocking on a door, you're not knocking on something just stale. It is the heart of God. God, I need you. Please give me this. Trust me, you don't want this. God, I need you. Please, please. All in the right time. And then at the right time, Jesus says, I am the door. You can have this. Oh, if you knew the door, you would pray differently. You would respond differently. You would thank God for shut doors and you'd be patient. And when the doors open, you would be, ooh, I know this is my God because I'm close to the door. Amen? I still have a little bit of offense that you guys laughed at Chris Hemsworth. I forgive you. Let's move on, okay? Is that Chris Hemsworth? Ha <laughs> ha, this guy's ugly. Can't be him. Nope, nope. I, uh, yeah, I, I got too many jokes going on. Scripture. Um, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, stop. What could be and should be. I came, here's, here's what I came for. I came that they may have life. Say, I, that I may have life and have it abundantly. This is the could be, should be verse. Jesus came to this earth, not just for us to have it in eternity, don't wait for eternity. He came so you could have it right now. Super abundance. I was talking to a, um, a couple after church, and I can't use their names because I didn't ask for permission. But I was talking about their, 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 their history. Lisa talked about just our past, and she was telling about their family and drugs and selling drugs, murder. We're talking coming from the worst of the worst. And this guy is the best of the best. How did this happen? Did he came from... Nothing, and now he has super abundance. He's got three kids, great wife. And I was like, man, Lord, like, you could have gave this for the 5 p.m.? This is literally what I'm talking about real quick. It's not about where you came from. It's about who came for you. Let me say that again. It's not about where you came from. It's about who came for you. Let me, let me, let me keep going. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Woof. 
Mission Church, we are not fleeing. We are leaning in. We care. Um, if you can't attend services, uh, I, that's totally okay. But keep leaning in. Keep calling people. Keep serving people. Keep, 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 um, keep encouraging people. Mission Church, this is not a time to flee. Oh, hired hands flee, but the church does not flee. We lean in and we love an unlovable region. We give to an unlovable region. Does that sound good? And I know other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so they will be one flock and one shepherd. Oh, I could stop right there. That's all the text actually I'm going to teach. I just want to read the rest because it's the gospel. You ready? For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Woo! If I read that, night, night, you could go home. You're welcome. That's the gospel message. Can I tell you that we're supposed to follow in the steps of the shepherd? Nobody's going to make you lay down your life. You're going to lay it down anyways. Nobody's going to make you lay down your preferences. You're going to lay them down anyways. Oh, may we be the same as our shepherd, fight the right things and then just die to the wrong things. Does that sound good? So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to look at two big points from this and just be done, all right? Because uh, I got a ton with the shepherd stuff. I'm gonna do this for a few weeks. But I gotta give you a little context real quick. So I, I described the shepherd to you real quick. Shepherd, you know, sleep at the gate. I can tell you about the staff real quick. I could go off on that. I got, I'm doing Psalm 23 next week. I'm very excited about it. So I'm gonna hold off on a little bit of that. But I got to tell you about sheep real quick. Sheep are not impressive. When we get called sheep, don't take it all like, oh, you a sheep. Oh, thank you so much. Say it again. Oh, you a sheep. Oh, no, you didn't. You know, no, don't take it as a comment, okay? You know, you, you know those sheep that look like all like perfectly white and everything? That is a sheep that has been literally through the car wash. Sheep are dirty, dumb animals. They can't clean themselves. They cannot. Did you know they're so dirty that flies will flap their nose and, uh, nope, that's next week. You don't want to share it right now. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Lord, should I do it? You want, nope, I'm not going to do it. Okay, um, I'm going to give you three things to this week, though, for the sheep. Uh, sheep are in the top 10 list of the, dumber, the most dumb and stubborn animals. Uh, you will never see a wild sheep, ever. Ever. You see wild dogs, wild horses, wild cats even. Shout out to the cat people again. They're amazing, okay? Wild cats. You'll never see a wild sheep. You'll see a wandering sheep that's about to die. Sheep can't survive on their own. They can't be wild sheep. There's too many wild Christians, to be honest, and you're not surviving on your own. Too many lone, lone sheep thinking they can be wild on their own. You can't survive on your own. You need a shepherd. You need a flock. You know you'll go to the circus. You'll see a trained elephant. You'll see a trained lion. You ain't never going to see a trained sheep because they're too dumb to train. They need a shepherd. Fleas even get the circus, but not sheep. Let me tell you this, uh, another one. Um, sheep will start walking towards an area and let's say it's like a bottleneck, like in a freeway. And let's say there's a thousand sheep. They'll start walking into it and they'll get stuck. And then you know what they do? None of them are like, we should rewind, go backwards. They just keep going more and more and more until they're literally like squished and they're stuck. And you think one of them will be like, this was a bad idea. I had to. One, one bat in each service. I had to do it, okay? They won't go backwards. They need a shepherd to teach them to go backwards. The biblical term is repentance. Turn around, wrong way. So sheep get stuck and never leave that stuck part. They would die there without the shepherd. Did you know that sheep will eat grass in a, in, in a land, eat all of it, and then won't go anywhere else. They'll just start eating the feces of other sheep and even die there. I know it's vivid, but it's real. 
Can I just tell you real quick? Man, we are not different from sheep. We'll eat the word of God, but then for the rest of the week, we'll go eat the feces of the world. We won't go back to the shepherd on Monday. We come to the, we come, we come to the, 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 the lush pastor of, uh, uh, of church, but then we go to the world and just eat whatever. Oh, the sheep, oh, they need a shepherd to lead them to another green pasture. Do you know that sheep, if they fall on their back like a turtle, they just lay there and die. They need a shepherd to get them up. Do you, do you still like being called a sheep? You're a sheep. A lot of you need God to get you back on your feet again. Because some of you are just laying in a season of death and you weren't supposed to lay that way. So how do we not eat the things of this world? How do we not get stuck? And how do we get back on our feet? I wanna show you two things how we do it, ready? First one is you need to know his voice. You need to know his voice. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. You need to know his voice in pain, in pain. I think one of the hardest things for a Christian is navigating pain correctly because there's so many lies the enemy sells us during pain. Some lies that get sold to Christians are simply this. Your pain has no purpose. With Jesus, your pain has a purpose. We're gonna talk about that. Another lie that you'll hear in pain is, nobody cares about my pain. No, there is a God who wants to enter into your pain that can identify with your pain. A church that should mourn with you during your pain. Another one is, nobody knows pain like me or the, the pain that I have. There's just so many different ways we can go with the lies of pain, but can I, yeah, I'm gonna go there. I, I, uh, I had the worst month of my life in December. I'm gonna use this term, the most painful month of my life. I had a, I had a health issue come up. I'm fine before I go into it. Um, I got diagnosed with this thing called EOE. Not life-threatening, I'm okay. It's just this thing that is your esophagus where you're allergic to food and you don't know it till you eat it. It's like food is enemy, it sets your esophagus on fire. You gotta go through a bunch of tests. Um, and I didn't know what was going on with my body. I went to a handful of doctors and it hurt to breathe. It hurt to talk. Oh, I wouldn't even answer my phone. Like I, I had to text, you know, my buddy Drew calls me almost every day. And I text him, like, bro, I, I can't talk right now. It hurts to talk. The whole month of December hurt to talk. I remember crying like, God, like I, I got to preach. Like that's what I do. And I can't even talk right now. I started getting really upset. I started going to the, the darkest places of my life. And I had to go to scripture and I had to learn his voice. And I, had to, I, I went on a little study of pain. In John 9, you'll see this uh, story of pain. And simply put, the story of pain is, can I get a little, little, little keyboard? Makes me sound more spiritual and I like it. It's, it's the end. It's the bookend. Thanks. Um, John 9, there's this man who is blind. And they ask this question, is he blind because of his sin? I asked God the same question. God, did I do this to myself? Did, am I not righteous enough? Did I not please you? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? Did I, what did I do? I won't do it anymore. I'll be the most righteous person ever. I started, I was like on the righteous like trail, like for two weeks, like God, I'll be the most righteous. I'll, I'll pray the way I'm supposed to pray. Like, like even like um, friends, that I don't think is a bad show at all. I was like, it has a little, it has a hint of sexual morality. It's out of here. I was like, like that's the way I was trying to pray. I was like, I won't even listen to it, God. Because I asked myself, did I do this? And then the next question I asked is, was it the sins of their parents? And so I was like, Lord, 
what is this my hereditary thing? Is this just my lot and land? Because my we have sickness in my family. Like what what is it? You know. And then so you go to Genesis and you see that sickness entered when sin happened. And so the general thing, of course, brokenness is when sin happened, brokenness entered the world. So that is the general statement. But then you look throughout scripture and you start to hear his voice and you'll never see this. If you sin three times, you're gonna get sick three times. If you do two bad things, you're gonna, God's gonna get you with two bad things. Thank God that's not how uh, heaven math works. And so Jesus' response in John 9 is very simply goes, no, 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 neither. This is for my glory. This man's life is for my glory. So about two and a half weeks into it, I started reading other guys in the Bible that went through hard times. Also females, Ruth. Oh, just going through it. And one of the people that just hit me in Genesis 50, 20 was Joseph. And Joseph went something way worse. I didn't go to prison. I had a month where I could barely eat anything. I had pain. I still, to be honest, I, it hurts to talk still. Like I, I still feel pain right now with my throat, my tongue. It's still, I'm, but I'm getting better. And Joseph is weeping and he tells his brothers because they're afraid. And he tells them this statement. And I feel like, again, to know God's voice is to know a scripture. And it says, this: said, you intended to harm me. And I felt like I stood up and I told the enemy, you intended for this to destroy me. And the next part, it went on to go, but God intended it for good. And I said, oh, but God intended it for good. I've never prayed more. I've never been closer to my shepherd. Oh, I've been broken by this. Oh, but God, I'm not gonna allow this to be a one month blip where I'm close to you because I'm sad and then I'll be far away next month. Why is it that when we have hard days, we're close to God, but our good days, we forget our God. And I told the enemy, oh, you meant this for evil. If this is from you, enemy, like with Job, well, I'm ready to glorify my God. I started hearing his voice. I started getting stirred up. I said, if I got to rest my voice and preach for 30 minutes and rest it again, I'll do whatever it is for the glory of God. Goes on to say, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. God, in that moment with his voice, says, I have purpose for your pain. Then I started reading other scripture about pain. It says that he refines us with the fire. Oof, this, this refining fire that takes impure gold and then makes it beautiful. You ever seen gold before it got purified? You ever seen silver before it got purified? It looks like a dirty rock. Take it through the fire. It is the most beautiful, shiny thing. And I felt like God was showing me, oh, I'm just refining somebody I love. I feel like I'm 20 times the pastor I used to be. I pray way more for you than I ever have. I pray for people I don't even know right now that if you're going through a hard thing right now, you have what I would call chronic illness, I pray for you. I didn't pray for you before and I apologize. I pray for broken marriages more than ever because I understand that people are that, they need people praying that they don't even know who praying. I shoot more encouraging texts to people than I ever have because God is refining somebody who had still dirt of the world and he's trying to make it beautiful. Oh, God will use it for good. If you're going through something, God's gonna use it for good. If you are through the fire, oh, let him use it for good. When you start to know his voice, you start to read scripture, pain is a beautiful thing. And I know that sounds terrible, but it's true. I'll preach more on this next week about knowing his voice and knowing the shepherd. But I want to finish with this thought and then I'm going to pray. So let's get back to John 10. Let's, let's have this be the, the thought that you leave with today. The shepherd of all shepherds comes to the earth, the great shepherd. 
And I, I told you earlier that we're the dumb sheep. Well, the shepherd becomes the sheep on the cross. What kind of great shepherd becomes sheep? Only the great shepherd. And not only does he become the sheep, but he dies on the cross, the spotless lamb. Why? So dumb sheep could become little shepherds and be dumb no more and be stubborn no more. And those little shepherds could go get other sheep and help them become little shepherds. Let me show you the correlation again. Great shepherd becomes sheep, so little sheep can become little shepherds. How does a world that is so stuck in their ways that keeps going, we know how to fix the world. We are, we are fighting. The kingdom of heaven is fighting the kingdom of self right now. I'm just going to label it the kingdom of self. All these ideologies. If we do this, this, and this, then mankind is good. No, they're so stuck in their ways on trying to fixing mankind. And they keep going that way. And they need a little shepherd to say, I, I learned something. I used to get stuck in my ways, but I learned a word called repentance. And it's not a word, it's a lifestyle. Turn around. Life can be only found this way. How does the world not eat the crap that is on everything? Oh, you get a little sheep that becomes a little shepherd and said, I used to eat the same stuff. Let me give you the word of God, the bread of heaven, the manna of heaven, because now I'm a little shepherd and I can feed the sheep of this world. How do sheep that feel like there is no hope find hope? Because they've been knocked on their back and nobody's helped them get up again. A little shepherd got a little stick like the great shepherd and said, this little shepherd stick, it's got a little curve and it helps people get back up again. Church, we have to. We have to be little shepherds. Identity affects activity. Oh, care for people this week. Help, the, help stuck people get unstuck. Help people who are eating the worst things, just share one little encouragement verse with them and just let them dabble on a little bit of heaven. Give them a little bit of heaven each week and see what happens. Oh, and then pick people up this week. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.